As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, as always with Lanzerline. Plenty to discuss today, including a a position-by-position look at my all-rookie team at the halfway mark. No politics in this conversation, Lance, but I am looking forward to hearing uh, your vote on the big ticket, which is uh, Herbert or Burrow. Who who has been the better rookie uh, quarterback to this point? We'll, We'll talk about that in a little bit, but first... I wanted to start in college football, kind of catch up on some news. Uh, and I think we have to start with Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's he's out this week. Uh, he was out last week against Boston College. Clemson is able to win. He's out uh, this coming Saturday against Notre Dame, tested positive for COVID. Sounds like the symptoms are mild uh, and he'll be just fine. But you know, it certainly throws a wrench into Saturday's matchup against the Irish, which you know is a top five ranked team. And Lance, you know, for those that don't know, we were off last week because you were uh, battling uh, a positive diagnosis for COVID uh, right. as well. And so I think you have an interesting perspective on this and maybe what Trevor Lawrence is uh, battling right now. Yeah, um, I, I think I do. Of course, I'm not in the same uh, generational <laughs> age group as, as Trevor Lawrence, nor am I... Uh, as fit as Trevor Lawrence, uh, we're similar athletes, similar body types, but, uh, arm no, talent. I, yeah, I mean, our talent, he's going to have me on that too many, too many issues with, uh, labrums on both shoulders now. But, uh, I will say this, I had what I would consider to be a, um, first thing everyone asks, what were your symptoms? What were your symptoms? You know, everyone is, is very curious about it. I didn't have much of a fever. I think I had it for one day. Um, I was exhausted mostly. It was like having somewhere between a cold and a flu. And uh, the exhaustion was real. I had to lay in bed and sleep. And and I can't imagine. And I would say I had, I, my case was probably more on the moderate end of it. Maybe a slight lean towards more mild if you had to go moderate to severe. It's right in the middle, maybe middle left uh, towards a little more mild. And even that would have kept me out for if I were an athlete who was going through that there's no way I could have played um, in a game. So Trevor Lawrence being out a second week is not surprising if he's had to lay up in his bed, if he was hit by any exhaustion. I know there's a belief that, that everybody in college just breezes right through and there's no issues, but that's it's really not accurate. We've seen 
some athletes who have had some issues um, in other sports, you know, in professional sports and baseball and basketball. Uh, we've seen guys who have had positive tests that linger. I've, I was lucky enough to test negative on day number 10 of, of when I, you know, the 10th day from when I first tested positive. And um, I know some athletes, I know some other people who have, it's taken them three, four weeks. So I think that's something to keep in mind with some of these college athletes too, is they may not be able to catch a, a positive, a negative test just because there's just remnants left over that continue to, to, uh, to hurt them. So better safe than sorry, certainly with Trevor, even if he uh, were to come up with a negative test, if he hasn't been able to prepare, it, it, it makes sense um, for him. So I can just say, you know, 27 cases active right now with Wisconsin. They are canceling their game again this week. This will be two games uh, where they have canceled. So take it seriously. I know a lot of these guys are not going to have uh, severe issues, but there may be some who do. So certainly our thoughts are going to be with those guys as well. But in terms of, I watched this, the second, you know, the first half, I didn't see the first half of the Clemson game. I watched the second half. They really seemed to flip a switch and get after um, Boston College on, on both sides of the field. I thought Etienne really ran well. And I, you and I have talked yeah. about Etienne a little bit. Um, he's going to be the key to beating Notre Dame. I, I, I like the, uh, the five-star backup quarterback. I'm not going to attempt his name just yet. You DJ. Can, just, just say DJ. Yeah, yeah, I think DJ's doing a did a great job in the second half of that game. But Clemson is going to be driven by Etienne at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. They're going to – against Notre Dame, you need Etienne to shine. And I think it's really cool. And I know we'll get to Kylan Hill in a little bit. But here's a guy who's opting out because I, I guess his season's not going the way he wanted it to. Etienne is on the other – on the other end of the spectrum. And this is very rare. I wrote Etienne up last year. You may have too, Dane. I don't know, yep, but I, I was so sure he was coming Me that too, I had yeah. his grade in the book and everything. Right. And I had a good grade on him and I, I was really impressed by Etienne. And I, I'm a guy who I come in with uh, a little bit of a notion about who a running back is, but I'm wide open to change my mind because Sony Michelle changed it a couple years ago, for example, from one year to the next. And, I was so impressed with what I saw on Etienne on tape last last year. His balance through contact, his lowered leg power, his physicality. He's got the rare ability to toggle between elusive and physical. So at no point can you just assume he's not going to lay into you. But at the same time, he's got really loose tips. So he can slide away from you and he can break out of tackles because of that lower body looseness. And he's got good speed. Uh, to break away. And, Dan, I think one of the real keys to Etienne's game is his ability to impact the game outside of the backfield now, his ability to catch a football. Yeah, we've definitely been seeing that uh, lately you know, against Boston College. You see wheel routes. Um, you know, you see more than just screen passes. And uh, his ability to make those full-speed cuts is just rare. I, I just You don't see that a lot. And so, yeah, you know, ETN's definitely helped himself this year. And with Journey Brown not playing at Penn State, uh, it sure looks like ETN's the clear uh, top running back uh, in this class. And it's good to hear that you're feeling better, Lance. Uh, you know, sounds like Trevor Lawrence uh, will be back pretty soon as well. So that's good to hear. A couple of the quarterbacks I want to mention real quick, too. Justin Fields has looked fantastic wow. uh, in the first two games at Penn State. 
uh, on last Saturday. Looked terrific. I think the thing that I've been most impressed with so far uh, is just his ability to be patient, work through progressions, not being a one read and then drop his eyes and maybe look to run type of quarterback, which a lot of times that's what he was last year. And part of that was by design. Uh, You want to, you know, his ability to be a dual threat quarterback, you want to implement that in the offense. And Ryan Day uh, didn't put a ton on him uh, being his first year in the program. But now that he has had that first year in the program and, you know, he's older, more experienced, a lot more confident, you're seeing that uh, in terms of working from the pocket and going one to two to three, uh, high to low. And it's just been really, really impressive to watch. Now, I still think that offense uh, with Ryan Day is the most impressive thing about when you watch Ohio State. But Justin Fields is just such a uh, a physical, an impressive physical quarterback. And you see the mind is starting to catch up as well. And I, I love how confident he plays. He's so cool. He's so calm, regardless of the situation. It doesn't matter how much time's on the clock, what the scoreboard says. He looks like the same quarterback out there. So it's been really, really fun to watch him so far. And I don't know that he's going to get another you know, really challenging test, you know, maybe until Michigan, because uh, Penn State has a pretty good defense. And then after that, uh, you know, it's just a, a pretty big drop off with the, a lot of the other opponents on the Ohio State schedule. But nonetheless, I mean, Justin Fields has been really impressive. I have really been impressed with uh, a couple different things. The first thing I want to mention is his ability to handle pocket pressure. The way that he's sliding around in a pocket with where it, it feels like second nature to him, it doesn't. It feels like it's a it's a natural reaction from him to slide to different areas of the pocket, to maintain his eye focus down the down the field on different targets while still sliding around inside of what has been pretty good protection. You know that's a that's a pro move, and that's not something you can just assume for every quarterback. In fact, right. I would say that that I I would say it's probably maybe 20% of the quarterbacks that we're going to study have that. And sometimes there are guys who have it who aren't going to be good enough in other areas to be an NFL quarterback, but there's some guys who naturally have that. And that's a, that's a level of poise and instinct, I think from the pocket. And, and like you mentioned, you can't do that if you're not comfortable with your ability and your understanding of an offense. If you're not comfortable with your understanding of an offense, you're more likely to want to break contain and then reassess what the, what the field looks like. And I see that a lot with Deshaun Watson. He still does that a lot. When you have, and he's and he's eager to break contain. Um, you can see that happen. That's tough to win when you do that. When when you look at Justin Fields right now, he's so confident in what he's going to do and what he wants to do, and he's and and he doesn't have fear in the pocket. He doesn't have. He's not antsy in the pocket. So what you see is a guy who has the confidence to slide to his left a couple steps and maintain his focus on what he wants to do down the field. And you don't have that unless you have a guy who is cool under pressure and you have a guy who is, is confident in where to go with the ball, confident in his understanding of the offense. I think you hit it on the head about him really looking like he has the control, like he has a lot of control out on the field. Now, one other thing that I want to give him comp- a compliment for and I call it I call it everyday accuracy, but maybe you can call it pro accuracy. The the throws that you need to make, let's say it's a swing throw. Are you leaving it? Are you putting it on the guy's hands in front of him so he can keep his eyes up and get down the field on a swing? Or are you putting it slightly behind him where he has to break stride? 
Are you throwing crossing routes where a guy doesn't have to break stride? And then maybe most importantly, are you throwing the uh, the field side out? The field side out that, you know, there's got to be a little air under the ball. Are you able to throw it right to the, the wide receiver, either chest high or right there, maybe near the face mask? He's making those throws consistently. He's throwing everyday accuracy, which I do not take for granted because not everyone has that. And he has it right now. And I, I'm just so impressed with what I've seen in just two games so far. Yeah, it's, it's been really impressive to watch. Uh, and that Ohio State offense is just it's just fun. And they're replacing, obviously, a lot of weapons, J.K. Dobbins, and uh, but they just reload. I mean, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, those other guys they have, it, it really is fun to watch. Well, I good. think. Yeah, they they really are, and it's uh, it's you don't want to get ahead of yourself or of ourselves, but you still feel like okay, you can pencil them as one of the four teams that are going to be left standing at the end. Uh, I think Fields is in that driver's seat to be quarterback two in this class, um, it, you know, behind Trevor Lawrence. But another quarterback who I think is kind of in that conversation, uh, being a first round pick and really fighting for positioning, is BYU Zach Wilson, who I wrote about him last week. I hope. Uh, everyone has a chance to check out uh, what I wrote about. I studied the All-22 from his first six games, and I came away really, really impressed. I mean, this kid has some special ability to him uh, with his natural accuracy. You talk about that that everyday accuracy. Uh, I, I think Zach Wilson has it, and I explained it in my article uh, on The Athletic, so hopefully people check that out. And you know, most of the pushback that I received was on the competition, which is fair. BYU hasn't faced anybody uh, this year uh, that was a serious you know, defensive competition for them. But they have Boise State this weekend. Uh, it's a Friday night game. So his performance uh, against the Broncos, that, that's going to carry a lot of weight with scouts because it's one of the best defenses. They'll have a chance uh, to really evaluate him against. So have you had a chance to study Wilson at all, Lance? And what do you think of him? A little bit. He really came to my attention when I saw what you wrote, that he could be the second best quarterback in the... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but he could end up being QB2 in this draft. He's in the and, discussion, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. it's... When I was kind of taking the pulse around the league, some scouts flat out told me he's the second best quarterback behind Lawrence. Now, I don't think that's the consensus, but just the fact that a few told me that tells me there's at least a discussion. So I know that that tweet kind of caught people off guard. Uh, I think Fields is still the favorite to be quarterback too. But I, I do think that there is a little bit of a discussion. Uh, and I, you don't want to forget about Trey Lance as well. So it's just, it's really shaping up to be an interesting quarterback battle in the first round. So here's what I like about Wilson. I like, the ball, I like that the ball comes out. Um, there's two things. It comes out quickly. He's got a good release. And the second thing is... He can make some throws from some tougher angles on the move, too. So he's not just a stationary quarterback. Um, and that's where the game is headed. Like, you have to be able to throw on the move. You have to be able uh, to to make things happen when the pressure is on because teams can heat you up. Offensive lines aren't as good as they once were. There's just it, – it, it's incumbent that your quarterback have some functional mobility and the ability to deliver the ball without having his feet set. That's just something that you really want to see from a starting quarterback, especially if you're going to look in the first couple of rounds. But I think the other thing that is important with Zach Wilson, and I, I'm going to make this point, the level of competition, yes, it's, you know, you, you, you want to see a higher level of competition. But I think something that I saw with Josh Allen is interesting. When it comes to quarterbacks, poise is really non-negotiable no matter who your, your – um, 
level of competition is. You're, it's either going to show up or it's not going to show up. When, when there is heat in the pocket, you're either going to look panicked or you're not. So I think despite level of competition, you can see that. Because let's remember now, he's going to have better wide receivers, running back offensive linemen in the pros than he has at BYU also. But the second thing is, if you've got accuracy, a good release, and the ability to throw some velocity – the tight windows, you know, the concern you have with lack of competition is, well, guys are throwing to wide open windows. Well, if you have the physical ability, and, and we can also see, and you know this, Dane, we also look for anticipatory throws. There are certain characteristics and play traits for a quarterback that really you don't have to see him against great competition and know he has the ability to make certain throws even against pro competition. So I don't kill quarterbacks as much. Like Lamar Jackson didn't play off the charts competition um, when when he was in in college either. I mean that that conference wasn't going great at that particular time. So I think that do you have the capabilities is the first thing you ask. Now level of competition. You know if you are a slow processor, you can get away with it in college. But in the pros, the windows tighten up too much and the, the confusing looks they give you will eventually gobble you up as a quarterback. But uh, with Wilson right now, I don't have those same worries. I think he's got the ability. I want to see if he can sustain and continue to play at this level. But I can tell you this. Now, I need to study Lance closer. I'm not – in the very brief time I've looked at him, I'm not as high on him as some others. But I think the other three that we've mentioned so far today, I think they are – I think I have a favorable opinion of them right now in terms of the impact they can make in the league. Yeah, and that's a great point with what you said. And that was really the point of my article is to show that even though the competition isn't necessarily there, you can still tell how talented he is by the, the caliber of these throws. Uh, you know, off-platform throws, the ball placement, you know, opposite hash throws, uh, just th- these different types of throws that should, at the very least, have you very, very intrigued uh, with Zach Wilson. So there are a few other opt-outs uh, that we have to talk about uh, real quickly here. First up, running back Kylan Hill. Um, you know, I was told there was a little bit of friction between him and the coaching staff, the new coaching staff, um, before the season even started. And that really continued into the season. And it feels like part of that frustration was the lack of carries. Uh, Hill did have 23 catches in two games, including 15 uh, receptions against Kentucky. So the touches were there. Now, he was basically suspended from the team. Uh, he left after week three. Uh, he elected to opt out, and he, he did tweet that his family was hit hard by COVID, and that was the main reason uh, that he was opting out. He also took the high road and thanked Coach Leach, which was good to see. But still, scouts are going to have to put their detective hats on uh, with this situation to try and figure out the whole story. From a football standpoint, he's another one I thought was headed out, and I wrote him up already last year. Mm-hmm. And I'll go look at the brief carries, but I feel like what he was last year is as good as he's going to be for me, which was uh, more like a a third, fourth. Um, there's some things I liked about him. Some things I thought were just, you know, standard run of the mill NFL backup running back who can step in and, and play for you. I didn't see him as a, a top line starter, but the other thing you mentioned is a big deal because Mike Leach does talk to NFL teams and, and he's, there's some respect for him. I think what you have to do is you go back to the prior coaching staff and you'll ask about him. You go, you know, you'll go to Leach and you'll ask about him. Mike Leach is going to be honest with you. That's that's one thing I'll say about Mike Leach is he's very honest about his thoughts on it. And then, um, you know, scouts have already been doing their their 
they do this for everyone. So an NFL scout will go in, they're part private investigator and their job for some teams, that's really all they are uh, because the personnel people like to handle a lot of the evaluation, but the scouts will go in and they will, they will dig around. The good ones will dig around with, you know, strength coach, position coach. They dig around with other teammates. You'd be surprised how often I've heard that scouts will talk to teammates about a player and teammates will be honest about their thoughts, pro and con. Um, Mm -hmm. They're going to obviously go to coaches. They will go back. I know one team that will go back and find out what your attendance record looked like in high school because it gives them a sense of if you are, um, at least they feel like it gives you a sense if you are responsible to get to meetings. Like if this is in your DNA to, you know, to want to show up and be accountable on a regular basis. Um, They will ask about relationships. I mean, they, they will dig into anything and everything they can to build a personality profile on a player. Cause ultimately they want to know if you love the game and if you are going to be coachable and if you're going to play for your teammates and leaving school early this year, scouts are, if scouts don't think it was COVID related, that is going to hurt them a little bit because it's going to look to scouts like you gave in when there was some, you know, a little bit of, uh, um, not animosity, but there was a little bit of a, a bump in the road, uh, adversity, and you just gave in and shut it down. Now, you know, if, if it's COVID-related, it's COVID-related, but they're all going to build their own decision about whether or not that was the case. And he's not the only guy who came out, and he's not the only guy where people are going to question whether or not a guy came out because they just decided they weren't happy that they were losing. Right, and uh, that leads us to our next opt-out, uh, the other big-name opt-out this week, and that's Paris Ford, safety yep. at Pitt, who he received all kinds of hype last season, before this year, and I don't, I just didn't see it with this player. I mean, the tape this year was not kind. Um, you know, He was benched at times. He, he is the pl- type of guy who will miss multiple tackles on one play. Um, you know, I flagged uh, on two different tapes that happening. So uh, when he has a clear alley, uh, this guy looks like he could be, you know, an All-American and, you know, a top three round draft pick. But when there's uh, bumps in the road, when, uh, you know, he has to make a play in space, it just it's that's where it gets really inconsistent. And, uh, you know, Pitt has, you know, as they started well and then they've really kind of faded down the stretch and uh, Ford has not played well. So to see him opt out like this raises a ton of red flags. And I know he's got a lot of hype out there in the media, but I have not heard any of that hype with NFL teams. And when, when you watch the tape, I, I don't know why you would. i tell you, and this is one of those positions where I think there ends up being a, di- a big disconnect between, you know, draft media and NFL right. teams. If you cannot tackle, uh, it's, it's a huge problem. I'll give you an example Ta- speaking of tackle issues, um, LSU safety from last year slips my name. Um, Grant Delpit. Yeah, Grant Delpit. Mm-hmm. So you know, Grant Delpit's in the first. Grant Delpit's going in the first. Grant Delpit's in the first. Right? Media is all over Grant Delpit. But the fact was, the NFL teams had a real problem with his tackling. I mean, oh, yeah. there was two years of suspect tackling, and some of it really was. It's not that he. Like Grant will try to hit knockout blows, but he's built a little bit more like a free safety than a strong safety, but he hits like a strong safety. So there was concerns about whether or not he could hold up physically. But the second concern was he was going in just trying to lay people out instead of wrap, wrap, lift, and finish. Yeah. And there's two years of, of tackle issues 
with Grant Delpit. And NFL teams really have a problem with, okay, if you're not great in coverage, then you better be great around the box. And, and they got to have something they can plug you in at where they know that that's who you are. If your issues in coverage, if you have, if you're either speed deficient or you're a little tight in the hips, and then you don't tackle well, now they're worried about your coverage and they're worried about your tackling. And I don't care how many interceptions you have, that's irrelevant. I don't care how many highlight reel, you know, run the alley and you just knock somebody off their feet. If they think that you're going to get them beat for touchdowns, ooh, they really, uh, it really will work against you. And I think. That's the concern right now is can he cover and can he tackle consistently? Do you think that there is uh, concern with teams uh, in, in regards to seeing more of these types of opt-outs where, uh, you know what, season's just not going very great. And instead of, you know, risking being hurt over the last month, month and a half of the season for a, a sub-500 team, we're going to see some players maybe opt out and go that route, just start preparing for the draft. Is that something you think teams are worried about? Yeah, and I spoke with a team yesterday that said the very thing. You know, the phrase opt out wasn't even in the, the lexicon. It was transfer portal. It was transfer portal. And, and COVID has, has created opt out. And, you know, rightfully so. I understand it. But now the phrase opt out now, we've seen Kylan Hill opt out. Uh, we just talked about two players who opted out, but there are other Mississippi State players, by the way, who opted out as well. And I do think that NFL teams think this is a big concern now that you could see players instead of transfer portal when you are headed into uh, when you're in the middle of your junior year, for example, you may not transfer anymore and you may not play it out and, and, and deal with adversity. It may turn into opt out where, where players say, you know what, I'll start getting paid by an agent. I'll start working out. I don't have to go to class anymore, and I can move towards my dream. And if more and more, once you start seeing three, four, five, six names do this, it's the same way I remember when people thought this wouldn't necessarily, there wouldn't be a rash of players leaving to not play in, in bowl games. They right. would still be playing in bowl games. But once it was Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, then there was a slew of guys. And it wasn't just first-rounders, Dan. You know, there was third-rounders, fourth-rounders. And I think the same thing could end up happening, which is bad for college programs. It's bad for the draft. And I think it's bad for the prospects who are sure. going to hurt themselves because teams are going to question, are you just quitting on your team? A, you know, is this just about making your money as fast as you can? Because teams don't really want to hear that. They want to hear you love football. But the second thing is it also limits the amount of tape. And that's something you and I are going to have to deal with. That's something NFL teams are going to have to deal with. A lack of tape for a lot of prospects who have first and second round potential, um, but guys are going to get potentially under or overdrafted because of a lack of tape. Yeah, and I think it'll just be a case-by-case basis and something that, um, you know, like a guy like Rashawn Slater uh, from Northwestern, um, who, you know, had what 34 starts or something under his belt, uh, had a terrific performance against Chase Young last year. Uh, I think scouts understood who Rashawn Slater is. And so him opting out is very different than, say, Paris Ford opting out uh, right now in the middle of the season. So, and I, you know, I, I think coaches will be able to look at these test cases and point to what has worked, what hasn't. You know, Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey opting out of their bowl games to stay healthy. They could point to that and say, well, look, these guys still went top 10 in the draft. 
where you point to Paris Ford, who I don't think is going to be drafted very highly. You can Coaches can point to that and say, well, you can do what this guy did, but I don't know that's going to work out too too good for you. So, you know, it, it, it will be interesting to see how these things play out and how that affects, uh, you know, players' decisions uh, moving forward. Uh, I did also want to mention... Pac-12 is back this week. The MAC is back this week. So uh, we'll go more in depth maybe next week on the players in those conferences that uh, we want to see. I'm writing up a, a big Pac-12 preview and the prospects that scouts are looking at, even with the opt-outs, because uh, the Pac-12. How does the Pac-12 look this year? Last year was not yeah was not the were, year to be a, a West Coast scout. They were hit so hard by opt-outs. Uh, they were, they had Pac-12 had four prospects in my top 50 three opted out. Uh, Penny Sewell, obviously projected top five pick tackle out of Oregon. Uh, Joe Tryon, uh, the edge defender uh, out of Washington. And then uh, Javon Holland, uh, the safety uh, defensive back out of Oregon. But, uh, you know, it doesn't stop there. Walker Little uh, from Stanford, the really talented tackle who, uh, you know, really needed uh, another year of tape after missing all of last season uh, with a knee injury. Uh, Jay Tufele, defensive tackle from USC, is a uh, defensive tackle that uh, scouts really like as maybe a, a top 60 top 75 draft pick uh, a couple players in the secondary thomas graham out of oregon uh paulson adebo out of stanford you know th- these players uh really could have used some more tape but they opted out that was their decision and uh you know it's really going to and that's kind of the purpose of this article i'm writing is you know even though a lot of the top players have opted out the cupboard isn't quite bare and so these are the players at each position uh that you need to be watching so be on the lookout for that Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Uh, I want to uh, get it, have enough, save enough time here so we can go over this all rookie team. Maybe we've not hit on every position, but uh, def- definitely hit on most of these. Uh, and we got to start with the quarterback. And this was really the toughest decision. Um, and again, these doing an all rookie team like this, it's not necessarily who I think or who we think is going to be the best quarterback moving forward or who we would rather have or, you know, a projection. It's more of a reward. Who has played the best? over the first half of the NFL season. It's halftime of, of these guys, uh, of their rookie years. Who has played better? And at quarterback, I mean, we've really been treated to two outstanding performances, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I mean, you could really make a case for either of these guys. I elected to go with Justin Herbert. I think uh, even though Joe Burrow, I would still take Joe Burrow as my quarterback between the two moving forward, uh, being quarterback of my team. Herbert, I think, has just done a little bit more. Uh, when you look at the way he was thrust into the starting role, um, you look at his production. He has more passing touchdowns, 15, compared to Burroughs, uh, 11. 
He's got more uh, passing yards per game. Uh, I think at, in terms of a downfield passer, uh, you know, he's been more impressive. He has 20 passing plays of 20 plus yards. Burrow only has 20 uh, with a lot more uh, pass attempts. So I think there's a lot to like about both these guys, but Herbert, I think, has just been a little bit more impressive. And again, this is not a projection, just kind of a reward based off of they've played uh, the first half of the year. So, Lance, where are you going between these two uh, quarterbacks? So on my radio show, my my co-host and I, we've, we've been together for a while, so we can have big fights and, and it doesn't affect us. But And he's also a huge LSU guy because his wife went mm-hmm. to LSU. We got into a pretty good fight uh, two days ago about Burrow versus Herbert. Because I asked him, who do you think is rookie of the year? He goes, oh, 100% Joe Burrow. I said, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and we went through this, and look, I'm going to tell you, the flashes for, for Justin Herbert were really good, really good in, in tape. The unfortunate thing was there wasn't the consistency. So you had to make a determination when you're grading a player. Are you going to grade them on their flashes? Because some players, that means – this is who they become or, or, and let's face it. He also wasn't really helped out a whole lot by his wide receivers at Oregon, or are you going to judge him based on, you know, his overall play and different. And I, at first I was going to judge him on the flashes. And then I said, no, this is a tough position. I question whether or not he could lead and command an NFL locker room. All, you know, all this stuff that right. a lot of times will come out, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll turn into major factors. I've been wrong so far because Justin Herbert has been fantastic. I've loved what I've seen. He still has his bouts occasionally with some accuracy. He'll still have a throw or two to get away from him. But he has looked extremely confident. He's looked a little more mobile uh, around the pocket than I expected. He's thrown on the move in extended plays, which is something we didn't see a lot of at Oregon. And uh, I've been really, really impressed. Now, he does have the type of arm where he can go vertical and attack down the field without question. We could be looking at a more mobile version of a Matt Ryan, maybe a, a step below as a passer. When we look at uh, Joe Burrow, but Joe to me is kind of a dink and dunk NFL passer. This is what he does is he says, look, if you play one-on-one, I can throw a beautiful one-on-one throw with great placement and I can beat you. But if you want to give Joe Burrow the underneath stuff, he'll take it. And not only will he take it, but he's thrown with phenomenal accuracy and ball placement. He's thrown it into tight windows, which and he still doesn't try to attack outside the numbers. That's not what he is. It's not who he is. And that's that was a weakness. He was below 50 percent on intermediate throws outside the numbers last year with the greatest year I've ever seen for a college quarterback. So he knows where his you know, he knows where his areas of strength are and where he doesn't want to traverse as often. And. And he's been – and i tell you what I've loved about Joe Burrow, his ability to come back and lead the Bengals back into position for a comeback win. He's got like yeah. four of those this year already, mm-hmm. and I think only one of them worked out for him. One was Randy Bullock missing a kick. Two was the defense couldn't hold up. But I'm with you. I, to me, you could take either one of these guys. Statistically, it, to me, it's Herbert. But um, what Burrow has done with the weight of the NFL world and a whole fan base on his shoulders – it is really fantastic. 
Yeah, Burrow's special. Uh, I mean, he the way he can win with his mind is just so impressive. He leads the NFL, not rookies. He leads the entire NFL with uh, first down passes, 130 of them this year. That's more than any other quarterback in the league. The composure, the poise that you mentioned, I mean, it just really makes him uh, stand out in such a special way. So, uh, you know, again, that's that's the quarterback I'm taking. If I have the choice and I need to go win a game, but Herbert, you know, there's just... I'm not going to, you know, we can't deny what he has done up to this point. And now it's going to be interesting to see if he can sustain it uh, the rest of the year uh, over the second half of the season. Now, will we hear from Tua, uh, the only other rookie quarterback we've really, uh, you know, with apologies to Ben DiNucci, the only other rookie quarterback we've really seen this year, uh, you know, is he going to be able to uh, impress as well as a rookie? Time will tell on that. Moving on to, you know, running back, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I, I think even though he's been kind of not living up to the fantasy uh, hype that a lot of people put on him, he hasn't scored a ton of touchdowns. He still, he leads all rookies in rushing yards and, uh, you know, rushing yards per game, per carry, uh, first downs, rushing, all of that. Um, I, I think he's got the stranglehold on, on running back. But I did want to talk to you about wide receiver because this is where it gets really interesting for me. We we talked all last year how this was going to be an historic group, and it didn't disappoint. We set a record for the most wide receiver draft picks in the first two rounds, uh, and they haven't disappointed now that they've been on on the field this year as rookies. And I think Justin Jefferson has been you know the clear top guy up to this point. Uh, you know he leads. Uh, all rookies in you know receiving yards, yards at the catch. He accounts for a quarter, twenty five percent of the Vikings' receptions. So no other rookies with you know really even close to that. You know he's done it inside and outside. Only thirty two and a half percent of his snaps have come inside in the slot. And I know that was a big question mark uh, by a lot of people. Was that's for really me where he thrived. Oh sure, well that's yeah. that's all we saw last year at LSU. And so he has shown that he could do it inside outside, but. What I want to ask you, Lance, is who has been uh, the second best uh, receiver this year? Because I think, you know, you could make a case for, uh, you know, C.D. Lamb got off to a quick start. And then, you know, with Dak Prescott out, he's kind of fizzled a little bit. Uh, Brandon Ayuk ha- has really come on. Chase Claypool ha- has been fantastic. T. Higgins uh, has really emerged as the favorite weapon of Joe Burrow. And, you know, he leads all rookies in first down catches. And there's, of course, you know, LaVisica Chenault and Jerry Judy and, and on and on. There's a lot of candidates here. If Justin Jefferson is, you know, your top wide receiver rookie at this point, who would be your number two? For me, it's Chase Claypool really been impressed with their ability. Now, I thought he was going to be a fantastic weapon for the Steelers, and I thought that was a perfect fit because they can treat him, Ben can treat him like a big tight end, Um, but his ability to run with the football, they've used him around the goal line to run for touchdowns. He's got five receiving touchdowns. We know three came against Philadelphia, but this is an undefeated Pittsburgh Steeler team. He had another touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. He He had nine targets, he had five catches, for 42 yards, but you know, for me, his ability to give Ben another big target and his confidence and poise, CD, I think CD Lamb has been the more consistent player, but that was expected. I want to, I want to give Chase a little bump because he's doing something that really has benefited. You know, CD Lamb's on a team that has one win. Um, Chase Claypool's on a team that's undefeated, and he has been one of the reasons for that. And he had a huge touchdown against the Ravens on the road in a division game. I'm going to go slight 
a slight bit of love to Claypool, but you know, when you look around the league, what Ayuk has done when he's been, you know, when, yeah. when they're getting the ball to him and, and you see what Mooney has done in Chicago, which wasn't necessarily expected. Dufresne right. has a couple touchdowns. I mean, it really has lived up to the hype. This And now Denzel Mims is now working into, we're seeing him with the Jets now. So now we'll start seeing more of Mims. I think Gabriel Davis has been a very pleasant Absolutely. surprise. So um, there's so much to choose from. But I would say, and I'm really interested to see what happens uh, with Jerry Judy from here on out with, you know, with the lockback. Because there's a lot of weapons over there, too. Yeah, no question. Um, KJ Hamler and you know, even a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who, you know, his his first three NFL catches were all in the fourth quarter and, and part of a Browns comeback, including the game winner. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, these rookies have not disappointed. And, you know, in my for my all-rookie team, when I was trying to really figure out who I wanted to go with for that runner-up spot, I, I boiled it down to one simple stat, uh, and that's touchdowns. Chase Claypool has been responsible for seven touchdowns so far. That is three more than any other rookie wide receiver uh, has. And so for me, that that that's what really uh, pushed the needle in Claypool's direction. He's, he's been terrific all over the field, um, inside, outside, uh, even has two rushing touchdowns. So uh, Claypool, uh, I think we're, we see similar on that. Going to offensive tackle, this was, you know, another strong uh, position in this past draft. We talked about it uh, quite a bit. Is, is it really saying too much to say that Tristan Wirfs has not only been the best rookie tackle, but he's been one of the top five tackles in the league this year, regardless of uh, experience. Is that is that going too far? I've just been so impressed with what we've seen from Worf so far. Uh, I don't know that it's, yeah, I don't know that it's too far. I mean, a lot of the pressure's coming from uh, Donovan Smith's side on the other side uh, for Tampa when they've had it. And I think Worf's has really learned to work around some of his technique issues that caused him, look, he, he's, he has a little bit of, uh, there's a, I don't know what it is, but he gets bumped back. His initial contact when you bull rush him, he will get bumped, but then he's got an amazingly fast anchor, and that's because of his core strength. And I think he's he's really worked to uh, eliminate a lot of the oversets that he had before that would allow guys to beat him inside. I don't think it's a huge streak. A huge streak. Lane Johnson has been hurt this year. Tyron Smith is not, you know, playing. Although his 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 play has has been down. Dwayne Brown still plays at a good level. David Bakhtiari has been hurt. I don't think it's a, a huge stretch to say, no, I don't, I don't think that's outrageous. And that's kind of crazy to say that about Tristan Wirfs, but he's been fantastic. He's been present. He's been he's been consistent and he has improved from his college play. Harold Goodwin doing a really good job over there with him. Uh, so nice. Yeah, nice, nice pick there. I'd say he's definitely number one. And for me, it's it's both Beckton and Wirfs to me are kind of fighting it out for two. I think Andrew Thomas has been a little bit of a disappointment for me uh, with the consistency. But uh, um, I think the other two, Beckton and, and I don't know how you see him, but I think those two guys are are, are pretty close right behind Wirfs. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And with Wirfs, uh, why I graded him as a top 10 player in, in last year's draft was his ability to always default to his balance. I mean, he was so good at that. And we're seeing that now. Um, and you kind of mentioned that with his core strength and the way he can quickly recover and anchor. Uh, I mean, he, he is really, really good at that. And that, that's what has helped him so far. For the runner-up spot, I did lean Becton over Wills. And listen, I'm the president of the Judge Wills fan club, but he's and he's been outstanding, in, especially in pass pro. Uh, and especially when you consider he's never played the position before. 
but seven penalties, um, needs to get a little bit better as a run blocker just with his consistency. And so I did lean Mekhi Becton um, up to this point, but would not shock me at all if we end up, or if I end up switching those two uh, by the end of the season, because Wills has really been uh, a really impressive rookie for being just 21 years old and playing a position that was completely foreign to him. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing. It's not an easy move. So, right. Uh, but once again, the, the hype around the offensive tackle draft, I think Thomas will get better, but I think offensive tackle and wide receiver are both living up to the hype right now. No doubt. Actually, I, I think, you know, despite what Tristan Wirfs has done, uh, the steal of the draft has got to be uh, Michael and Wainu for the Patriots. He's my pick for the top interior offensive line, even though, you know, I could have given consideration at tackle because he's played right tackle for the Patriots as well. He, he, he's been a revelation to watch. I mean, this guy, the mental mistakes, which I thought that would be the issue with him, is uh, the hand placement issues, the mental mistakes, uh, the weight was an issue. So you always wondered would he be able to stay in shape and stay conditioned. But so far, he looks like a polished uh, NFL starter out there. He is playing at a high level. He's yet to commit a penalty. Um, just The Patriots just need to draft uh, Michigan players in the sixth round because it seems to work for him. Yeah, but also the interior, they do a really good, I think sometimes the Patriots, you know, the, the the amazing personnel stuff, that's really overblown because if you really study it, the Patriots have plenty of misses and they get away from it quickly. Oh, yeah. But the, oh, yeah. the area they really do a good job is uh, a good job of this interior um, offensive line. I mean, David Andrews, what they got from David Andrews, uh, Shaq Mason, they didn't mm-hmm. care about his size, his length. They knew he was a good drive blocker. Uh, Logan Mankins years ago when they drafted him in the first round, they really know how to hit on interior offensive linemen. And this is uh, yet another, I, you know, the guy for me that I probably would have had one would be Damian Lewis, mm. um, the uh, guard from LSU who's playing for, uh, for Seattle starting yeah. at right. And I question whether he had the athletic ability to play in that outside zone, but that has not been an issue for him. But um you know, I like both of those guys a lot. Solomon Kinley's been better than I expected. He's me still kind too. of a mauler for me, but they love him. They love him over there in, in Miami. And, you know, he's not my favorite. He doesn't play my favorite style of football. But what matters is, are you big and do you get guys blocked? And he's doing it. Yeah, and I, that's who I actually chose as my uh, number two was Solomon Kinley with the way he's been playing. I mean, I'm ready to take the L on that one because – you know, you watch his Georgia tape and he's, you know, on the ground too much. Uh, you know, he's not consistently dropping his hips and staying balanced at contact and these things. Uh, so uh, I was surprised when the Dolphins took him in the fourth round. But you see a much improved player with the way he's been uh, executing and playing a lot more consistent. So credit to him uh, on that. Uh, so switching over to the defensive side, uh, you know, I don't think any... No surprise that edge rusher Chase Young's been the most dominant uh, rookie edge defender. And I, I think it's been a big gap after him. You know, we've seen, you know, Clavion Chase on hasn't really done much yet. Uh, Gross Matos in Carolina, uh, same type of deal. Um, so it's just, it's been Chase Young and then a bunch of kind of average um, after him. And, you know, you can make the argument, same thing at defensive tackle with Derek Brown playing outstanding lights out against the run, leading all rookies and tackles for loss. 
then a little bit of a drop off. Um, you know, Javon Kinlaw's played well, but you can tell he's still piecing things together. Um, yeah, I think they're really missing Nick Bosa on that defensive line. Obviously, that helps open up opportunities for guys like Kinlaw on the inside. I think uh, Davon Hamilton with the Jaguars played well. John Penasini uh, with the Lions has uh, outplayed his draft spot so far. So uh, I don't know if any defensive linemen stood out for you besides Young and, and Brown, the, the two. Um, Malcolm Roach. Malcolm okay. Roach has played. Uh, the Saints have been very excited about the way Malcolm Roach has played. I would say um, he'd be one. But, you know, and, and Raekwon Davis has been OK. But yeah. I think I think this really falls in line, right, with what we thought about those positions, edge rusher and, and defensive tackle. If you we know Kenlaw, we know Javon Kenlaw has potential, but there was a question about how long it would take him to 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 show up, you know, and we know Chason has potential, but he still has some things he has to work through, get bigger, get stronger. And I think it's playing out like we saw. You you knew that this was not a great year for edge rushers. We knew it was not a great year for defensive tackles. And that's kind of how it's played out here in the draft so far. Um, you know, in the early stages for at least these rookies so far. Yeah. And it was a little bit of the opposite at linebacker where we didn't necessarily have you know, I guess, well, Isaiah Simmons, uh, if you considered him uh, at linebacker, but, you know, it seemed like there's a lot of depth and, you know, linebacker was a position that might be a strength. I don't, it really hasn't been that way. The linebackers in this rookie class have really disappointed up to this point. I mean, I, I went with Patrick Queen as my top linebacker, even though it's been really up and down for him. Um, just hearing his teammates talk about the energy that he brings to the defense. Um, he does lead uh, all rookies, uh, all rookie linebackers and tackles, and he's been impactful. So, uh, it's been a lot of negative and a lot of positive with him, but I, it's it's just tough to pick, you know, because a guy like Kenneth Murray with the Chargers, he's been solid against the run, but just abysmal uh, when he's asked to drop in coverage. Um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of these other linebackers flash here and there, but it's been a lot of inconsistent play. I think Willie Gay with the Chiefs, uh, with more and more playing time uh, in Kansas City, he's really done a nice job uh, and kind of grown at the position. So I'm eager to track Willie Gay the rest of the year. Yeah, come on, Martin. I think he's outplayed his draft spot, and I think he's done a better job than I expected. Logan Wilson has flashed mm -hmm. from time to time. Jordan Brooks. Uh, Jordan Brooks needs to play better. That's a defense that is really not playing as well as they need to. So um, I'm on board with you. I think I think the potential is there for this line. You know, we may look at this in in a couple more years and say, boy, this 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 really shaped. You know, it, it's not like there was a ton of playing time for Patrick Queen headed into this year. He didn't have a right. bunch of games uh, under his belt. Kenneth Murray did, and we know what Murray's strengths and weaknesses are. Um, but Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, you know, we're still finding out about Isaiah Simmons. So I'm not sure the book has not been written yet. But like you said, up to this point, not quite the impact I thought Patrick Queen was going to have just from an individual talent standpoint. With Isaiah Simmons, do you think it's, you know, just they can't figure out the best way to use him? Is it playbook issues where, uh, you know, they just don't trust him yet on the field? Uh, what do you think is the main, uh, you know, obstacle uh, keeping Isaiah Simmons from playing more of a role in Arizona? I think it's I think it's a case of they just don't want to rush him. I think they want him to come along at his own pace. They understand that this is, you know, the proverbial marathon and not the sprint. You're not trying mm -hmm. to you know, you're not trying to win a Super Bowl with Isaiah Simmons as your best player this year on defense. You're trying to, you're trying to continue to build. I mean, they're on, they're headed in the right direction. There's no question. The arrow is up for the Arizona Cardinals now, which is something that you know was not a given two years ago. 
But when you look at it now, I think that they're definitely headed in the right direction. And I think Simmons, you see the physical ability, had a huge uh, interception a couple weeks ago against uh, Russell Wilson where he mugged up in the A-gap. And then, you know, his ability to drop so quickly just overwhelmed Russell Wilson as he, you know, there was a bad read made between him and his wide receiver, and that interception kind of shut the game down. But um, I think with Wilson – to me, when I watched him play linebacker, I didn't like his instincts. I didn't think he really had a good feel for where the ball was coming. But that's that's kind of normal. He's got to he, he's got to get a feel for it. He's got to develop a feel. So I think finding out right now, Arizona has to find out what is he capable of doing right now that will give him success. Like where can we use him where he mentally is in a good place, where he succeeds, he can play without thinking. I think the biggest problem we have, Dane, is he's a thinker right now and not a reactor, and that's right. normal, totally normal for any rookie, but really normal when you're making a position shift. And so I think that's really what you're looking at right now is it's just turned into he's too much of a of a thinker right now instead of a responder, and that's probably why they are are kind of uh, conservative with him. Uh, no, I, I agree. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and moving on the corner, uh, this is another loaded position, very crowded. We've seen a lot of rookies get playing time at cornerback. Uh, I went with Jalen Johnson as my top rookie at corner. Just He's been, I think, the most consistent. Um, he, he has one of the lowest burn rates uh, among these rookie corners. Uh, Double-digit passes defensed so far. No interceptions yet, but I think Jalen Johnson, the, the Chicago Bears have to be happy with uh, their return on investment uh, with the 50th overall pick. Yeah, and before his injury, LeJarrius Sneed, you know, yeah. Sneed might have been right there at the top. But Jalen Johnson, I like Jalen Johnson. I had I had a first-round grade on Jalen. Um, I really liked his competitiveness and potential. He does have a couple holes in his game that he has to tighten up, but I think he's I think he's got to make the Bears fans very happy right now. And then the Cowboys, to me, Diggs has been hot or cold, but I like I like his potential as well. And I don't think it's crazy to think that he could eventually be a safety at some point if you wanted him to. I think you got because he's such a great um, he's got ball skills and he's got um, really nice fluid movement. Um, I think he can be moved around the field. And then another guy I want to I want to mention when well, I mentioned Legereus Sneed, but uh, also uh, Akuda Akuda definitely has his moments. I mean, Akuda mm-hmm. and AJ Terrell, I think have they will make some plays here and there that excite you. I think Akuda maybe a little bit more than Terrell, but I think Akuda is learning the NFL game, and I think he is a player that you're going to see take a big jump in year number two. Yeah, I agree. And even the second half of this year, um, as he starts, he just had all the traits are there that you want in a cornerback. I mean, Jeff Okuda is kind of how you draw it up. So, you know, I, I agree with that. And, you know, Diggs, I, I agree with that as well. He he has three turnovers this year, two interceptions uh, and a forced fumble. Uh, he and Jalen Johnson are the only rookie corners, uh, rookie rookies in, in period, uh, who have uh, double digit passes defensed. Uh, it's been a little more inconsistent, but as he settles down and you know just starts to settle in a little bit as uh, as a full time starter, I think it'll start to get better for Diggs. Uh, over at safety, you know I think this is pretty easy for the top guy. I went with Antoine Winfield, but uh, you know I I kind of assumed I was going to go Jeremy Chin as the runner up. Uh, just he leads all rookies in tackles. He's done a little bit of everything: linebacker, nickel. Uh, a little bit of corner, a little bit of defensive line, uh, playing in the box, playing uh, more of a, a, a deep safety role. So I think the Panthers are definitely excited with the versatility that he's shown. But I tell you what, after I got done watching Julian Blackman and what he's doing with the Colts, 
Uh, you know, all credit to Chris Ballard on that pick and and how he with the way Julian Blackman performed. He he, I chose him as my runner up behind Winfield for the top rookie safety so far. Yeah, off an ACL, off a yeah. season where you know you're you're moving him around position positionally. He wasn't as good his last year as he was a year before. Um, he was, I thought he played a little too heavy, a little too big. He has been a revelation, and I know Ballard was pretty confident about him. Really liked him in camp. He has really stepped in and done a great job. And it is a two-man. It, it's a two-man show right now with Winfield and and uh, I think Chen is is definitely a third. Jordan Fuller, I, yes. I give him a lot of credit. I, I thought he's an NFL backup. He's already starting as a rookie. But uh, for me, it's it's clearly Winfield and then Blackman. I think you I think you nailed those two. That's that's who one and two are. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Fuller because I the same thing. I the, the intangibles were great, uh, smart, coachable. Uh, you know, average athlete. So that that's what you want in a, in a backup player, uh, a guy that's going to you know stay on a roster the next decade, help you out on special teams. But uh, when he had the opportunity to step in as a starter, did not disappoint. And you know, so far he, he is certainly outplayed. Uh, where the Rams were able to draft him. So all rookie team is up uh, on the Athletic. You can go check it out more in depth with uh, what I had to say on each position. So uh, please do that. That'll do it for this week's Prospects to Pros. Always, you can find Lance on Twitter at Lance Zerline. I'm at DP Brugler. Please subscribe, rate, comment. We really do appreciate that. And we will talk to you next week.